Well, all this in heaven too. Have mercy. I, I want to announce something. Uh, I, I, I'm losing my mind. Short-term memory. You can tell me something in three minutes, I forget it. I can remember what happened during World War II, but I can't remember what happened just a minute ago. But last week, we had a couple that I was going to recognize, and I just slap forgot it. Uh, and that is Brother Chet and Shirley. They had been married 67 years last week. Stand up there, Chet. Stand up there, Shirley. This is a sweet couple. We praise the Lord for them. Anybody else here married 67 years? It feels like, oh, I heard that. I heard that. Going to be folk at the altar this morning. <laughs> Turn, if you would, to 2 Corinthians chapter 10. So we just peruse through the book of 2 Corinthians. And we'll actually go back to chapter 9 next week on Thanksgiving. But this morning, 2 Corinthians chapter 10, I, I love Tommy Lasorda. He's a great, great manager of the Dodgers for years and years. And he made this statement. He said, I took out a pack of cigarettes from my pocket stared at it and said who's the stronger me or you and I said me I, I gave up cigarettes I quit and then he said I took a vodka martini and said did who's stronger you or me and the answer again was me I quit drinking he said then I went on a diet I looked at a big plate of linguine with clam sauce and said who's stronger you or me and a little clam looked up and answered, I am. <laughs> I can't beat Linguini. I want us to think this morning about the strongholds, some of the things that grab a hold of us uh, because they're hurting us individually and they're hurting the kingdom of God. In uh, 2 Corinthians 10, beginning in verse 3, would you stand please in honor of God's holy, inspired, inerrant, all-sufficient word. For though we walk in the flesh, we do not war after the flesh. For the weapons of our warfare are not carnal, but mighty through God to the pulling down of strongholds, casting down imaginations and every high thing that exalteth itself against the knowledge of God, and bringing into captivity every thought to the obedience of Christ. Father, thank you today for just the joy to be in your house. My, how we've been lifted up. And uh, Lord, may that song be our prayer. Oh God, draw me nearer to you than I've ever been before in my life. Oh, how we need you now, more than we've ever needed you. God, I, I just pray that you'll be exalted. We'll leave this place saying it's been good to be in the house of the Lord. And we're looking for you to do great things. In Jesus' name, amen. Thank you. You may be seated. Paul has written the church at Corinth and uh, he's dealt with the different problems in 1 Corinthians uh, and a little bit of that spills over the defilement that they had the discord uh, the incest the problem with the resurrection all those things and those were attacking the sins but here in chapter 10 of 2 Corinthians he's not attacking the sins that they're in he's dealing with personal attacks from the critics that he has and uh Paul had seen the Lord. He, he saw him on the road to Damascus. 
Paul had had a part in many of their salvations and many of those he had baptized. Uh, he had defied the odds of others. Uh, he, uh, they said, you don't want to go to Corinth. It's the most wicked place in the world. That's the last place that you'll ever be able to build a church. And yet the Bible says that he built not a church but a great church in Corinth. He defied the odds. But in spite of everything that Paul has done that God used Paul to do, these false teachers had crept into the church. And when you get to chapter 10, this problem was hurting the church. Now, I'm, I'm not going to ask for a carte blanche uh, agreement here on everybody. But most of us in this building today would probably say, I don't want anything in my life that might hinder me in my relationship to God. We'd probably say it. Amen? We, we might not do anything about it, but we'd probably say it. I don't want anything that's going to hinder my relationship with a holy God. Nothing. The fact of the matter is that every one of us, whether big or small, we've got to combat that hole that habits can have upon our life. The next verse, the apostle speaks of these habits in the life of the believer. But he uses a graphic word. It's the word strongholds. It literally uh, means that it gets a hold of us as Christians. Now, let me just start and, and just look at how strongholds are defined. In order to understand what Paul is talking about here, you've got to have a definition of it. We've got to understand it. Specifically, he said, first of all, the word stronghold is an interesting word. It literally means to harden or to make hard. It's a military term. And when you'd build up a stronghold, you would put like an iron uh, gate, iron fence all around you. You were building a fortress there. And he's saying that the word here, strongholds produced in lives, you may not have wanted them to be produced, but you don't know how to get rid of them. And you may have never invited them, but they shown up and they worn out their welcome. You may not like them, but they don't seem to go away. And as long as they exist in the body of Christ and in your body, it's going to be a problem for the kingdom of God. You may want to obey God. You may want to commit yourself to God. You may want to surrender everything on the altar to God. But, and you may even want to put forth the effort to get all of that done. But listen to me. If there's unconfessed sin in your life, those strongholds are not going anywhere. They're going to stay right there. And most of us, most, I said us. Most of us have come to the place where the strongholds, we're satisfied to live with them. Let's just don't bother them. Let's just don't stir them up. Let's just don't get too wild. Because really, nobody knows anything about it except me and the Lord. My husband don't know. My wife don't know. Nobody knows. It's just me and you, Lord. And I'm content to live with defeat the rest of my life. Because I don't want to deal with the strongholds. As long as these strongholds are standing, your life is going to fail. It may be something of a vice. It may be a habit. It may be something that happened 30 years ago. It may be what we call a generational curse. It may be something that lingers and lasts, a besetting sin, a false doctrine. It may be questioning the Word of God. I mean... I remember in 1979 when 
conservatives in the convention were taking back over the convention and making it uh, an inerrant, we believe the Bible's inerrant. Southern Baptists have done the only thing that has never been done by any denomination. That is, the denomination had started going down and taking a liberal turn. And Southern Baptists stood on the word of God and we find it was a fight, it was a spiritual fight. But today our six seminaries are teaching that the Bible is the inerrant, infallible, holy, all-sufficient word of God. Every one of our seminaries. No other denomination has ever turned from liberalism and come back to conservatism. But the problem is not that we don't believe the Bible is the word of God. The problem can be that we don't believe the Bible is sufficient enough to handle my everyday cares. And I'm telling you, the word of God is all you need. When Jesus is all you have, he's all you need. Churches are being destroyed today because they've got strongholds in them there and people are refusing to budge. They know the Bible's true. They know the word of God is true. They know the spirit of God is powerful. They know the principles of God will never change. But listen, anything in your life that's holding you back is a stronghold. But I got some good news for you today. Jesus wants you to be free of that. You can have freedom. Amen. I mean, I've heard a lot of y'all on, but I'm going to tell you what. You, you experience a little freedom there, and you love getting loose. I, I mean, I, I was just dreaming this morning with the first crowd there. Could you imagine what happened? Now, you know, out of six, seven hundred people that are here this morning, let's just say 200. I mean, that's just, uh, you know, one, one, four, 200. Got rid of the strongholds out of their life this week. Can you imagine what that service would be like next, next Sunday? You couldn't hold them down from dancing. They'd be dancing, they'd be shouting, we'd be praising the Lord. Why? Because we ain't got no more strongholds. Man, we're free in Jesus. Well, we're technically free now, but we're not living like it. These strongholds, the world can't get rid of them. I love Christian counseling, but Christian counseling can't get rid of the strongholds. Psychology cannot combat the strongholds. All the prog programs we've got, all of the AAs and the CRs and the, you know, 12 steps and all that, it, they, they can't get rid of it. And what has happened in many lives today is we have satisfied ourselves just to learn to live with the stronghold. And it's zapped the very life out of us. According to the Word of God, these strongholds can be pulled down. That's what the Word says, right? We're just going to stick right here in chapter 10, three verses. For the weapons of our warfare are not carnal, but mighty to God, to the pulling down of the strongholds. They can be pulled down. In order to properly understand these strongholds, they're not only just individually there but they're also spiritually the weapons of our warfare are not carnal when Paul penned these words he wasn't talking to lost people he wasn't talking to uh, people out on the street he was talking to the church he was talking to the pro uh, uh, professors of Christianity he spoke these words he was speaking to an 
area that encompasses every one of us because it's not only just for other people, it's us. Keep in mind that word stronghold means to harden, to make hard, and it describes an entrenchment. He's talking about the devil. I believe Jack Taylor had it right when he said this, it is embedded in the mind and coupled with the emotions and the will. That's what a stronghold is. Now I'm going to give you a principle this morning. You may not agree with it, but that's all right. You can be wrong. <laughs> you got to understand that Satan can never, never, ever, ever take any ground of your life that you do not give him. You can't, he can't do it. You're sealed to the day of redemption. The Holy Spirit of God lives inside of you. He can't take one thing from you that you don't give to him. And if you're battling a stronghold in your life, the real truth is because you've opened your heart and your life and you've let the devil come in. Young people, you need to be aware of that and Ouija boards and all these things. Oh, they're just games, preacher. Quit getting on our young people about games. It's opening the invitation and saying, Satan, come on in. Satan, come on in. I know some of you will jump right on that. Well, you all had a Halloween festival. We didn't have a Halloween nothing. We tried to provide a place here where kids could come that wouldn't have to go through the streets. Uh, you know, don't invite the devil in to do anything in your life or your family's life. Let, let's suppose you had a piece of property that was 50 acres, and I came to you, and I said, my wife really wants that property. So I'm willing to buy that property, that one acre right in the middle. And you say, well, okay, I'll, I'll sell it to you. And then uh, I'll give you the rights to have the road over there to it. And the first two or three weeks, you know, like neighbors do, we get along, we laugh, we cut up. Uh, they bring a casserole over, and we carry one back, and, you know, we, we interned, you know, bless everything. Along about that third or fourth week, man, I, I, I got a, a PA system coming in. They come in. That thing would cover the whole front of this church. And I start playing that music. La-da-da-da-da. <laughs> Oh, my soul, have mercy. Have mer I'm just kidding. Where are you at? <laughs> I'm just kidding, wherever you are. Uh, but anyway, I'm playing that music loud, and then I start throwing trash everywhere and desecrating the whole area. And just, I mean, I'm de degrading your land, and you finally get enough of it. And you come over and you say, look, Charles, you're going to have to get out of here. You can't stay here. I say, I ain't going nowhere. I got a contract here. You sold me 50 acres, you sold me one acre of land and gave me rights to get to it, and there's not one cotton picking thing you can do about it. You just stuck with me. Now, the devil wants you to believe that. The devil wants you to believe that you're just stuck with him. But I'm telling you, years ago on a cross, there was a man died, and he rose again that third day. And because of that resurrection, you have the authority and the power through him to get rid of your strongholds. They're gone. Paul surveyed the condition of the church, and he saw that the problem wasn't only with people. It was with they'd been victimized by the entrapments 
They had been side-blinded by Satan. So how are they determined? Well, verse 5, Paul tells us about strongholds, and then he gives us how they're determined. And bringing into captivity every thought to the obedience of Christ. Casting down imaginations, every high thing exalted itself against the knowledge of God. That's exactly what the devil did. He didn't come in saying, hey, you're gonna, you, you, I want you to hate God or anything. He came in questioning God. The devil knows he can't get you to hate God. Well, that's just stupid. Every one of us in this room would line up and say, no, I'm not going to hate God. The devil gets you to try to forget God. And the moment he can get you to forget God, that's the moment he moves in. That's why you've got to cast down all imaginations. That's why you've got to pull these strongholds down. It's an infernal battle, casting down imaginations and every high thing uh, that, it, that is there. If we're completely honest, there's not a one of us in this room that's not battled one time or another with some stronghold in their mind and thoughts. And then that thing moves from their mind and thoughts over to where we uh, give our attention to the carnal things of life. That's why, listen, this is not a one-time do-all thing. This is every day. The devil's not going to give up. He knows he can't get you salvation. You're sealed to the day of redemption. So he's going to do the best thing he can is try to get strongholds in your life where you're not good to God for anything. It could be bitterness. My, my, my. How many times have we just gotten bitter ourselves? Listen, bitterness is not going to hurt anybody but, the, but you. It's going, every, every, the person you're bitter about, they don't even know what's going on. They're, they're enjoying ribs and barbecues and salad and all that. They're, they're not messing with you. That's you with your own self. It may be anger, resentment. maybe may your temper, lying, food, finances, fantasy, corrupt communication, wicked thoughts. Whatever the thought is, it, uh, it, it, it strangles us and sucks the oxygen out of us. It becomes internal. You, you don't mean to do it. I mean, there's not a one of us in this room that said, well, I think I'll let the devil set up a stronghold in my life today. No. Diedrich Bonhoeffer said this, at the moment when lust takes control, God loses all reality. All reality. Satan doesn't fill us with the hatred of God. This is what he said. But with forgetfulness of God. That's how sin is pro produced. Let me give you this last thing and we're through. How strongholds are destroyed. Because I'm going to be honest with you. <laughs> so you recognize them. And so you know what they are. If you don't plan on doing anything about it, it's not going to help you at all. Just to know you've got strongholds is not going to help you. What you need to do is know how to get rid of these strongholds. How do you do that? Well, only as the Word of God can do. We're not informed as to how to define them and detect them, but we do see here how to destroy them. There's only two ways. Number one, 
your enemy's got to be recognized. It doesn't do any good to try to fight a war if you don't know who your enemy is. You, you, you never know what they He said, for though we walk in the flesh, we do not war after the flesh. Hmm. Our enemy's got to be recognized. Verse 5, uh, imaginations, every high thing that exalteth itself against the knowledge of God. Man, does that, does that, is that not just like Satan? I mean, isn't that just exactly what Satan did? In the book of Isaiah, chapter 14, Satan said, The devil said, I'll ascend into heaven. I'll exalt my throne above the stars of God. I'll sit also upon the mount of the congregation in the sides of the north. I will ascend above the heights of the clouds. I'll be like the most high. And because of that, Lucifer, son of the morning, became Satan's serpent at night. And a third of the angels were thrown out of heaven. His pride, son of the morning, pride. We've been fighting a battle for years with the wrong facts. We've been fighting a battle against the wrong people. We think people in here are our enemies. They're not our enemies. They're victims of the enemy. The enemy is, has and is and will be Satan. Him and the demons of hell are the enemies of each one of us. It's not each other. It's not another church. And I know people that when God blesses another church, man, they, just, they get plumb angry. And I think, good grief. Man, the kingdom of God. Well, they don't believe like we believe. Well, that's all right. We, we, we don't fellowship with a lot of people because I... Personally, uh, I have the idea that the Bible teaches us when you get around folks uh, that don't believe the Word of God, don't believe Jesus is the way of salvation, uh, you ought not to say, God bless them. You don't let them in your home. You just stay away from them. Hmm. I, Den Denise, she's not here this morning, but she was showing me. They were at a ball game in Austin, I think, yesterday, last night. I saw Texas get beat. Uh, don't brag now if you're an Aggie fan because the same thing happened. Uh, <laughs> just want to keep you all up on that. Uh, she saw this church sign. Jesus believed in women. We should too. Now, there's nothing wrong with that sign. I believe in women. But I want to tell you, our stand as a church, based on the Word of God, is that no woman should be an ordained pastor of a church. You say, well, yeah, but my grandmother, I don't care your grandmother. We're talking about the Bible. Just, I, I don't know how an ordained woman can be the husband of one wife. Never figured that out. You say, well, that don't make any difference. You look around at the churches that are going down right now, dying. I'm telling you, God has blessed us but the same God who puts his hand on us and blesses us when we get tired of fooling with the word of God and we get tired of hearing straight preaching, he will take that hand off and it'll remove it. And he won't have to destroy it. The demons will destroy it themselves. Ivor Powell was a great preacher. He didn't have a great church. He didn't have a large church. It was a great church. He had one old deacon. Every time he prayed, he would pray, Lord, he'd close his prayer. 
clean the cobwebs out of my life. Lord, clean the cobwebs out of my life. And it just got all over one of these other deacons. I mean, you know, you just sit there that you've heard a belly full. And one morning he said, Lord, clean the cobwebs out of my life. And that other old deacon jumped up and said, don't do it, Lord. Kill the spider. You see, a lot of times we're over here trying to clean these cobwebs out and we're trying to deal with all this other stuff. In reality, that spider's lurking over there in the shadow somewhere. That spider is the devil. Quit worrying about the cobweb. Let's go get that spider. Let, let's kill the original thing of it here. Ephesians 6, 12, we wrestle not against flesh and blood but against principalities and powers, against the rulers of darkness of this world, against spiritual wickedness in high places. We've gotten all dressed up in our fatigues, and we've got our arsenal, and we're ready. We're just on the wrong battlefield. We're on the battlefield of the carnal and the flesh, and it ain't there at all. It's the spiritual in the mind and the soul. There are a lot of different uh, uh, strongholds. I think about the stronghold of tradition. <laughs> Man, you do not know how, how much I just praise the Lord for letting me pastor at this church right here. Some of you do. You, you, you've been in these other churches where there was a Sunday school class that could hold 15, 20 people and there were only two dear saints in there and we needed to move them saints out to put more people in there and they threw a wall-eyed fit. Why? It's always been our class. I never will forget Herb Revis said one day he had a class like that and that, there's a lady's <laughs> class and, and he said that lady told him, we bought these chairs and we're not going nowhere. And old Herb said, you just fasten your seat belt to that chair and you and that chair both get out of here. We, we don't have those problems. There, there's a, some of it is because the church has grown so fast, we don't have a lot of traditions. But traditions can be a blessing or tradition can be a curse. I mean, it may be a stronghold of tradition. It may be a stronghold of bitterness, low self-esteem. Man, the devil loves to play with that. Go read a little bit about what you've got if you've been saved in Psalms 103. He's given you the inheritance of salvation, of healing, all of these things that he's given us. Read about that, that you're fearfully and wonderfully made, that God knows every name in this building today. And you got low self-esteem? Well, it's the people. Forget the people, man. Keep your eyes on Jesus. He's the one that's going to get you through. It may be fear or intimidation. It may be pornography. It may be laziness. It may be a, a habit or a hurt or a handicap. All of those are the supernatural enemy. You're not going to whip them in the flesh. It comes through the Spirit. And in order to destroy those strongholds, you got to recognize the enemy. And then once the enemy is recognized, you got to use the equipment. 
I was reading, uh, wasn't reading, I was watching a show this week on uh, Smithsonian when the Russians were in World War II and they were fighting the Germans. And, and they sent word that this Russian group, about 140, 150 men, were to dig in. This is where we're going to dig foxhole. We're going to dig trenches. This is the line right here. We're not letting them come past this line. And for that entire group of Russian soldiers, they were equipped with three shovels. Three shovels. Some of you have been in battle and you know what I'm talking about. The equipment's not there. But the glorious thing about the equipment that the Lord gives us, it's available. It's there. It's there. Casting down uh, the imaginations. For the weapons of our warfare are not carnal but mighty through God. Someone might ask, what are the weapons? Well, Ephesians 6 tells us what they are. It's the Word of God, the faith of God, the truth of God, the salvation of God, the Spirit of God, and the power of God. All those things are there. Hey, did you know you have all of that available to you? Now, that's the arsenal that we've got. Uh, don't, don't, don't try to defeat Satan on these strongholds because he'll whip you every time. Those are things you've got to turn over to the Lord Jesus Christ. It's in the name of Jesus that these strongholds are going to be dealt with. I mean, you come up and say, I'm commanding you devil. Well, I, you know, Paul I know and Apollos I know, but who is Charles? Hey, they don't, you, you, it's got to be done by Jesus. Now, there's a lot of little things that we, we need to confess and all, but we're talking about strongholds. We're talking about things that you're living with that you'd love to get rid of. Things that you'd like to make sure they never come back again. You've got to repent of unconfessed sin. If you've got unconfessed sin in your life, you'll never get rid of a stronghold. Because the devil is where unconfessed sin is. And if you leave unconfessed sin in your life, the devil's got an invitation to come on into your life. He's got that invitation. But if you repent and ask God's forgiveness, take back the property that you invited Satan to have. Take it back. The devil, you had it long enough. I'm going to take it back. It's time God's people state our claim and wave our banner and stand on the power of the authority of Jesus Christ. I want to tell you, the enemy has planned the attack against you. You can mark that down. Strongholds can be defined. Strongholds can be determined. And thank God, strongholds can and must be destroyed. January the 1st, 1863. We call that in America Emancipation Proclamation Day. That was the day the headlines of the newspaper say slavery legally abolished. Legally abolished. January 1st, 1863. But you know the sad thing? In Texas, that's why we have Juneteenth, because we don't go back to January the 1st. The slaves lived out most of their lives still in slavery. Still living in slavery. Listen to me this morning. If you've got a stronghold, 
No, nobody, I'm not telling you to announce who it's to. I'm telling you to get at the altar and say, God, I don't want to live like this the rest of my life. I don't want to live in defeat. Man, God's made us more than conquerors. We're, we're, we're to be alive. We're to be thriving. You say, yeah, but preacher, did, didn't you see the election results? <laughs> see, some of you don't ever listen to what I preach. <laughs> I told you six months ago, it's not our job as a church to elect anybody. It's our job to seek and to save the lost. This world, we're not going to turn around politically, but I tell you what, we can win our neighbors to Jesus, and that'll turn them around. We can reach down and get the ones closest to hell and bring them to an eternal salvation in Jesus Christ. But you say, preacher, I, I got my rights. Dead people don't have rights. If you've come to Jesus, could I refresh your memory? You're dead. You're bought with a price. You don't have any rights. That's why I love doing funerals instead of weddings. I've never had a mother-in-law at a funeral tell me, well, you didn't do that right. But boy, I've had them at weddings do that. See, dead people don't have any, any, anything to say. All you've got to say is get up in the morning and say, Lord, here I am. I'm your servant. You show me what you want me to do today. And let me hasten to say this. It may be different today than what it was yesterday. But you don't stand there and argue with the Lord. You just say, Lord, whatever you say. See, the minute you start arguing with him, you can't call him Lord anymore. I had one yesterday on the phone. I was trying to talk to her, and she said, well, J.C., I said, J.C., who are you talking about? You're not talking about my Savior, are you? Yeah, yeah, J Jesus Christ. I said, well, I, I tell you, we don't, well, that's blasphemy. We don't refer to him as J.C. He's the Lord Jesus Christ. Well, it doesn't matter what your stronghold is. You need to get rid of it. And I'll just ask you today, I know you're not going to do it this morning, uh, but I would just ask you this week, would you just get along with God? And we just say, God, I know what my stronghold is, and God, you know what it is. Would you help me? Would you give me courage? Would you give me the wisdom? Would you show me in the Scripture? Show me the sin I need to confess. Show me how I need to get rid of this stronghold. And I'll tell you, according to the Word of God, He'll do it. And you can come into this place next week not dragging some chain or some habit behind you, but you can come into this place rejoicing and shouting and praising the Lord. Maybe today. You've got a stronghold you just want to get rid of. Come to this altar. Come to me or Brother Case. Maybe today you need to join this church. This church is going to stand on the Word of God. I had a dream the other night that y'all fired me. And I don't know. I didn't woke up from it. I, I don't have any idea what happened. But I check every morning to make sure I've still got keys here. <laughs> I'm not worried about that. What I'm worried about is that people will sit in this auditorium week after week knowing that they need the salvation of the Lord Jesus Christ. And he may come at any minute. 
and you be left behind. Father, we ask you today, speak to our hearts, Lord Jesus. I pray today people will decide, but they'll not only decide, they'll put feet to that, and they'll actually repent, and they'll actually get rid of the strongholds in their lives. Thank you, Lord Jesus, for your salvation. Thank you also for the fact, Lord, that you sustain us every day of our life. We trust you in Jesus' precious name. Amen. Would you stand together as we have